everybody. Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. This is your four times a week dosage of neurosis over meditative music. Your fourth, fourth weekly party with a Canadian who feels uncomfortable about the country he lives in and all the country he wants, all the countries he wants to go to. Your four-time-a-week adventure in my brain. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Nick. I'm a comedian, writer, actor. It's been a while since I've acted, though. I do whatever. I'll wash your windows. But tonight, today, I won't be washing your windows. I had a great talk with Stacy McGonagall the other week. Who is Stacey McGonagall, you may ask? Perhaps you won't, because you already know who she is. She is one of the hosts of the Regular Girls podcast, alongside Renee Young. I've known Stacey for some time. She sent me a very kind email asking to do stand-up at a show. That was the first contact I ever had with her ten years ago. She's been a big part of the Toronto comedy scene since then. She does improv. She does sketch. She's been on the Second City main stage for years. That's a big deal, and I'm sure you know that. And she spent a little time in L.A. She was in a pilot, and she's just a real fiery gemstone, and we had a great talk, and here is that talk for you. I'm not going to do an outro today, so I just want to let you know, follow me. Nick Flynn Weekly on Twitter, Nick Flanagan Weekly on Instagram, patron.podbean slash Nick Flanagan Weekly if you'd like to contribute anything as well. The best you could do is just tell a friend if you enjoy the podcast. Review it on iTunes, subscribe and stuff, but honestly, tell, a, t- tell someone you like it, that you enjoy it, that it's this weird thing. We're almost at 10,000 listens and I'm quite proud and I could not do it without all of you weeklypodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch that's w-e-a-k-l-y podcast at gmail.com I would love to hear from you you're my favorite people outside of my cat and a few other people alright enjoy the podcast with Stacy McGonigal hello and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly this is a special episode I am here in a house that is not my own. It is Stacy McGonagall's house, <laughs> and my guest is none other than Stacy McGonagall. Who is Stacy McGonagall? You may ask. Well, she hosts the Regular Girls podcast. She is a main stage cast member in the Second City, and uh, she was the lead in an NBC pilot. Ooh, what was that called? <laughs> It was called Ellen More or Less. Ellen More or Less. Yeah. Was it more or less the television show Ellen? Like, was that the name? No, it was uh, a pilot where um, I was a woman who um, loses a bunch of weight and then has to navigate oh, her yeah. life as I, a normal-sized woman. I remember that. Now, there was a, the Globe and Mail. There was an article about yeah. that, and I read it. Yeah. Uh, that, do you think? There, and now there's a Netflix show that has a really similar concept yeah. that was castigated, uh, dragged yeah. by the uh, Twitterati, yes. as they call it. And uh, that 
you narrowly avoided that fate. I mean, let's say it had lasted five years. Right now, you might be persona non grata. Right. At, uh, yeah. I don't know where the angry Twitter people live, but at their parties, they'd be mad. Oh, they'd be like, "How dare you!" Exactly. Um, so Stacy also just had me on her podcast. Hello. And read my tarot. Read your tarot. Uh, I found out where my creative drive comes from. I'm not going to tell you on this podcast because wow. Well, you got to look just, at the regular girls. You got it. You're dangling the carrot. I dangle the carrot. Everyone double dip. Everybody double dip. <laughs> you got to double dip. <laughs> you got to double dip. <laughs> Everybody with a podcast should always do something where you immediately record the other person's podcast right after so doing the one podcast. So you can double podcast. dip. Unless they're like those three-hour podcasts. Then Can't it's handle like a six-hour day. Mm-mm. Don't have time. possible when i see people that have like six tiers i'm like what are you doing well the chapo trap house uh model of patreon this uh, is the one that i like the most because it's just five dollars yeah and you get four more episodes a week it's the best yeah. honestly any sort of like netflix based service like hey you pay five to eight bucks a month and you get extra podcasts it's the i wish in hindsight that i had done that yeah that i had multiple tiers it's a nightmare yeah, there's just you open up a world of wonder if you pay five dollars. That's it. Then that's it. Like and not and I don't imply that like the people who supported me on Patreon were a nightmare, but it's just like managing that. Like it's, it's just a lot. you're setting yourself up. Yeah. Especially it's like we were talking about like kind of being, you know, a little all over the place. It's well, hard to manage that. We'll get to that, Stacey. <laughs> we'll get to that. But I had a blast going on Stacy's podcast. And Lies. you know what? I think is because it was so easy for me to get on. You, the listener, can get on as well. <laughs> so hopefully Stacey has you on the podcast and it's a great time. Well, Nick did complain about it being chilly. <laughs> so I can promise you. <laughs> I also you. brought up Louis C.K. and she deleted it <laughs> from the podcast. Meanwhile, uh, I can't. I don't need to delete it. But uh, here's the so thing. we can actually talk about it. In fact, the more women I have talking about how they feel about things like Louis C.K., yeah. the happier I feel. Because right. I think when I weigh in on topics like that or about race, I think I have every right to. But I, I, I think it's far from the final word. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think and it's I the think bottom word. It's, it's like you're underneath. It's, it's just an opinion, you know? And then, sure. but, but it's one that you would, you, to be very, to be. You're entitled to your, right your I think you're entitled to your opinion, but I would say that like it's your voice word. is not pushing the it forward in any you capacity. probably give a signal boost to a woman or someone who is, is, Directly related to the topic of which you are weighing in on. Well, yeah, because... Because their opinion is better informed than you. Well, yeah. Unless you were born a woman and changed to a man. Well, look at Louis C.K. Louis C.K. is a power move, right? So he's trying to control and power a woman. So have I, you know, as a woman in comedy or a woman in, you know, workplace would probably have a visceral reaction more so than a man well, listening I to mean, the story. I know this is like an intense road to immediately start with, but <laughs> have you, uh, you, you know, you started off doing stand up. Yes. You went into improv and sketch. Yes. Now you're in the second city. Uh -huh. and that's been, uh, 
you were in the second city before you moved to LA as well. Yes, and then I just uh, after I moved back, so I got back in the company. You put in a grand total of about seven years in the second city or something. Oh right? yeah, easily mm-hmm. seven or eight because I was in the train company before that and too. You did conservatory mm-hmm. before that. That's amazing. So um, what a great, what a cool bunch of stuff you've done, Stacy. Wow. You should be very proud. I am. Thank you. Um, and, and you've also maintained dogs through this time. They're still living. Yeah, that's hard. I don't know how it's do. happening. Because they're like the weird type of dogs that have like flat faces and stuff. They die. Yeah, they require special food. Like and what do your dogs look like? The Adam Sandler dog. Yeah. They're so cute. But they smell, right? They no. fart. Don't well, they fart? Yeah, I mean, you horrible? fart. No, I don't. Listen, even the queen Men gets diarrhea, fart. you know? I, she probably has IBS. She probably only gets diarrhea. A, a thousand percent. I mean, yeah. I remember my grandmother told me that. She's like, even, you know, even the queen gets diarrhea. Ooh, Stacy. Yeah. Even the queen gets <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. Irish mother. No, my Scottish Grand- grandmother. Uh, no, the first one was better. Stacy, the queen is a <laughs> dos. I honestly <laughs> hope Lauren Michaels is listening because you are <laughs> nailing this audition. Oh, well, just for him, I'll go, oh, I really, <laughs> I can't really believe how, what I'm hearing. Mike Myers moment. is going to steal that. <laughs> What was your question? Uh, <laughs> it would be <laughs> about dealing with men in yeah. um, not so much the hardcore uh, power dynamic set of, mm-hmm. let's say, a film shoot or, sure. or executives trying to green light uh, mm-hmm. something that you want to do or an employer. But in that nebulous world of fellow performers and getting on stage, uh, getting stage time or trusting, you know, in improv or Mm -hmm. sketch, um, did you encounter a lot of people who were not good at dealing with women? Yeah. I mean, like, I am super um, fortunate that I didn't have... Um, any like very intense experiences. I also think, um, I also think we were of a time or I was of a time coming up that like, even when I was like the one girl in 10 people, in 10 people yeah. it, it, at that time, it never registered that that was, um, problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because you were doing it. I was you know, doing that's it. the thing. It's yes. Like when you're the person doing it, it takes especially when you're younger and you're just sort of trying to do it. Yes. It would take a lot of, I don't even know, being able to, a lot of intelligence or, or emotional, uh, like understanding often right. beyond one's years, like to kind of go, well, this lack of diversity is a problem. Right. And also, what are my 10 minutes? You exactly. Know? I, I wasn't processing that. Also, my parents are very blue collar where it was like, you just got to work. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to be a comedian. And, um, and I just sort of put my head down and it was like, that was just so not me sitting and complaining was like, not, not that it's complaining, but like me being like, oh no, we need more. What was discouraged? I, I was, I would say it's at was the, dis- yes. You started doing com- comedy in what? 2007? 2006? I think about 2009, actually. 2009? And, and I just, like, I mean, I, I was even talking to you on Regular Girls. Like, I sent you, like, an email. Like, I was like, yes. I work hard. I'll be good. Like, the idea to sit back. I'll be good. I'll be good, oh but, like, I'll oh, work you meant hard. I'll be good. Okay. Yeah, like. I thought you meant more in, like, a. 
Oh. I'll be, be I'll behave. I'll behave. I'll be so polite. I'll do <laughs> the two behave. drinks. But it's my Oscar. Yeah, there we go. But it's like <laughs> I never um like obviously there were um you know men who thought they were funnier, but I, my was like, okay, well I'll I'll just show you. Like I think I'm a very intense <laughs> person. You are intense. <laughs> quick quick to um combat um, but you're wearing red. I'm wearing red. A I, sign of an intense person. And your hair is reddish as well. Yes. I mean, get out of my way. But yeah. I think I um, I just was like, I just want to work. I just want to work. And yeah. um, and then you wound up working. Then I wound up working. But it's like I also like ate a bunch of shit where it's like, you know, you have a, you know, you have people going, wow, you got such a great body. Or like, why don't you show it off? Or why don't you like. I get that too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but it's. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough being attractive. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, that obviously happens. And there's a lot of like untalented men with um, a lot of loud opinions. Yeah. And I was just like, OK, well, you step aside while I fucking crush the stage and then Whoa. we'll see you at the end. Whoa. Yeah. But th that's I mean, I that was smoking your, the, the, the smoke curling out of your six shooter. Yeah. I, I had this bold confidence that like. Only someone in their 20s who's just like so broke can have. Right, yeah. You know, I was eating a, a sub a day, a cold cut combo and 12 shit. inch. Don't forget, you and said shit. earlier you were eating shit. Tons of shit. Like, I mean, you know, when you want to work, you're like, okay. Like, I remember when I was a stand up, I was at Yuck's mm -hmm. and this guy was hosting. I can't even remember his name. I, I, he was just a total piece of shit. <laughs> and he didn't even say my name. He goes, oh, the next comic coming up, as they like to say with women, th she's lovely or pretty. And, you know, <laughs> um, he goes, oh, I don't know her name, but she'll have my balls in her mouth later. Give oh, it up no. for her. Yeah. So it's like, but in my mind, I'm like, I have but two choices. I can spend the set telling this guy he's wrong or uh -huh. I can just like do my thing. But it's like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I feel in my 20s, I had urges not to do something like that. Uh, I would I, hope not, Nick. <laughs> no, because because he was trying to win over the crowd. But like he already, mind. you are the host. I mean, if you can't win it over and you have to say, this no, chick's going to have my balls in her mouth, then you disgusting. suck. But, like... I would be disgusting in order to turn off the crowd, if that makes any sense. So, like, I would be yeah. willing to say, I'm not saying that's any better, but uh, in fact, I'm, I'm definitely not saying it's any better. But that was my mentality. You know, but if doesn't I would that go into some sort of like insane or offensive territory, because but does that come from a place of just profound insecurity? Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know that you, now. Yeah. I mean, you see it and you go, oh, God, get it together. Figure yeah. yourself out. Or it also comes from just a love of sort of twist, like, especially when I was younger, like twisted and, and messed up, like humor or culture and just try, sure. and just trying to sort of regurgitate that. But what, what, what one doesn't really understand, I, and I talked about this with Scott Thompson, is that a lot of time when you see someone really good who's doing like super whatever edgy or insulting mm -hmm. material is that there is some reasoning behind it you know there's some real grounding behind it so if you see doug stanhope or something right say all this stuff it works because of the context of the life he's led and, and he kind of knows why he is that way whereas i think if you're doing that in your 20s most of the time you don't really know why well, I think I think you're doing it because you're running from who you are and you think you have to be somebody else. Well, that's I mean, the reason a lot of people don't succeed in, in right. that 
period of time is because of that, I think. And it's because oh, 100%. You're, still, you're still forming. And that, that's why sometimes I think when a comedian gets in trouble for what they've said, it's maybe more meaningful if it's an older comic who says that because it's kind of like, hey, get it together, you know? I also think they get in trouble because it's not funny. And I well, think yeah. if it... And I'm not to say that, like, certain topics are off the table, but I think the ones... I mean, the you know... I think you can kind of talk about anything, but if it's not funny, then then and that's where the trouble starts. Yeah, because then yeah. you're like, what are you what are you trying to say? I mean, Kramer's thing was well, it's just a man screaming it was and him screening, screening, and, and <laughs> wanting him to hurt as much as he probably was. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and career Which kind ruined. of makes it fascinating. Oh, what a decline! It. Poor guy. But uh, oh yeah, poor guy. Oh rich. no. Yeah, Oh, God, so much money to cry and wipe his tears away. But it's also something with that where I think what happened with Michael Richards was something that was extra difficult where the way he did that unraveled his entire persona. And you realize that the whole gross, wacky, kind of bumbling, weird guy yes. that he was doing and had been doing at that point for 25 30 years more. Sure. I'm sure. Uh, the, the persona that I actually worshipped way before Seinfeld, like watching UHF. Bit of a brag. Transylvania. Yeah, I liked, <laughs> I liked Michael Richards' old album. You should call... I loved him on Friday. <laughs> you, should call this, Andy <laughs> you should call this podcast The Name Drop. The Name Drop. <laughs> no, yeah. not in a bad way. You're very referential. I like <laughs> I it. I am very referential. I'm... I'm, I'm um, uh, I wish I was more referential. I get like jealous when people have good references. <laughs> I can't even tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday. I have no references on resumes. No one's willing to be a reference <laughs> for me. I won't I either. Don't call. Unconsensually no. reference people in conversation. I'm not available. Where'd you grow up? Alliston, Ontario. Potato Town. Potato Town. Uh, potato Town. Mm. Mm. Potato Town would have been better. Yeah. We have a uh, potato festival. Really? Do you guys roll nice. potatoes at each other's heads? No, they give us potatoes with little like potato guns, where like you can like uh, get little you know chunks of the potato and you shoot it at people. Love it's a nice. Love a good potato gun. Yeah, you know what I mean. One of my favorite restaurants in Montreal is called Patati Patata. Wow. Good potatoes there. Mm, never gonna go. Okay, so <laughs> let's get back to solving the problems no, of the world. No, uh, but that, but that's the thing. I think um, for me, it's like I the idea of having to fight for what I want was always in the forefront of my mind. Again, I think, and I'm sure you would agree, like now it's a very different um, culture and climate, which it should be, and it's amazing, and it's so unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, but let me tell you, like being like, I mean, when I started as a comic, I dressed up because I came from the theater and I was like, oh, you dress up when you do comedy, and then I'm talking about how I can't get a date. Then right. I had to change the way I dressed the way um, I presented myself. Mm -hmm. When I talked to bookers, I had to talk differently. Right. And it's like, I know for a fact that my male counterparts didn't have to deal with that, right? The way that I, I um, hung out afterwards. Um, I, I, I remember being at Comedy Bar and getting a white wine spritzer and getting shit on, and made fun of for that because it's such a, like, a lady drink, whatever. And that's your signature drink. Clearly. It's my signature drink. Yeah. I've always got a white wine spritzer. Yeah. But... Uh, but my tone had to change dependent on the room. And I don't think for a majority of men that that even crossed their minds. When I go into a commercial audition or a TV audition or whatever, it's what I look like first, what I sound like second. 
mm-hmm. you know? And that's not like you have for a woman, you have to be, uh, are you, are you not big enough? You're not small enough. You're right in the middle. Like men don't have to worry about that. So it's like, yes, I'm sure it's tough for some people feeling like they're persecuted, but like, let me tell you, there's a long line of people that have had it a lot harder. Uh-huh. And, and I'm a white woman. Like, I also am shutting up. What's really amazing is that there's a demand for uh, diversity and uh, varying voices. Yeah, which I love that. Which when we, you know, when I started, I uh-huh. mean, it wasn't even, like I said, it wasn't even a conversation that I had even developed or, or a boundary or an expectation that I had even allowed myself to set for myself. Now I'm like, oh my God, if I was like a female comedian now, I would be like, incredibly educated it's wonderful and empowered and know my worth which when I started I knew what I wanted to say and what I wanted to do but did I know my worth and the boundaries that I was allowed to have absolutely not I mean I think that programs that encourage uh, a multitude of uh, people who have not been um, encouraged to, to yes and they're not comedy, um, is like such an amazing thing. Uh, whether it's you know Don Whitwall does this class of uh, has changed many female only a woman's life comedy also. class. Yes, and, and that's every year. And you see because of mm-hmm. that, no matter whether uh, you know if if like five women of a class of thirty keep go into stand up seriously, it's like that's a victory, you know? And, and then, Oh, I've talked to many women who have taken it and are not standups and have said like, Don made me find my voice. Everything else. It's, it's amazing. I want to talk about Los Angeles uh, because we do have a shared experience of of having been there for a bit. Yes. And you mentioned having a hard time getting, doing improv and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, Sketch. sketch. But what was your experience like in general? Uh, going there what brought you there because someone told me to <laughs> uh, who told you to my manager and I was like great I'll listen to you and I'll so go do that so you had an American manager yeah so he came to see the show at Second City and um, signed me soon after that and then I auditioned for SNL that year and um, my agent had just left SNL as the talent um, manager or mm. something like that and so um, she was like who's this girl I'll meet with her and then I got signed with my agency mm. Uh, and they were like, well, you need to come to the States. So uh, me and my partner at the time moved to L.A. And I was like, well, you should just go. And um, I think that what happened in that move was I just lost my voice and I lost myself. I, I, think, that that's a, I think that that's a very natural occurrence just to move. You know, when you to, to, to go oh, away yeah. from your... Uh, I'd come off a great string of shows at Second City. I was a, I auditioned for that pilot that ended up working out. Um, you auditioned for that when you were in Canada. I auditioned for that on camera, a uh, uh, self tape in Toronto, and then I went out to LA for three weeks just to try it out. Mm-hmm. And I asked to get in the room and got in, and then it just kind of snowballed. When you say you asked to get in the room, I was I asked my manager. I was like, I really like this part. I know who this mm-hmm. woman is. Can you get me an audition in the I room? I thought you meant writers' room. No, no, no. I no. Um, and I was like, "Can I get into the audition room?" Yeah. Um, and then I remember did. those words. Yeah. I'll say that to my agent. Can I get in the room? Get me in the room. And they'll say, well, "What do you mean? What room? Writers' room?" <laughs> yeah. You have to be. Oh, very I thought it meant that too. <laughs> no, they took me to craft services. I didn't want a sandwich. 
Um, yeah, so I auditioned and then they're like, you're going to come back tomorrow. And they told me right in the room, we need you back tomorrow. And I said, okay. And then it just kept, it was rounds and rounds and rounds of callbacks. And then they said, we don't want you. We're going to go with a famous person. I went, great. And uh, left, went back to Toronto. And then and then they wanted me to uh, do more self-tapes. And then they flew me out and I booked the role. So how long was this process? It was a couple weeks. Oh, that's not long. I thought the way you're talking about it, I was like, I pictured it being a year. No, it was a couple of weeks, but it, it was like, you know, maybe over two months. How did you feel when you were doing it? Um, well, it's like one of those things. It's like, oh, if I just get another audition, then I'll feel good. Okay, well, but if I get another one, I'll feel good. Okay, well, now if I get like a producer session, I'll feel great. Okay, now I just, like, it was just everything. I was like, I just want to get to the next step. What is a producer session? So um, the way that LA sort of auditions work, in my experience, is yes. you do, um, you start with something called like the pre-read, where it's like you go into a room and the camera could be on. <laughs> but instead, it's turned backwards, shooting the wall. Like it's just you reading the script to. Like you're not on camera. There's a casting person. They're not even shooting it. They just want to know what you sound like. I see. Then if they like you, they'll ask you back. It's the same people, but the camera's on. I see. Then if they like you again, they'll bring in um, the producer session, which is like the producer and creator, whatever. Who goes? Hey, I'm John Jimson. And then you're like, yeah. Hey, nice to meet you, John. <laughs> then you do it again. It's just like, and I remember doing that audition piece like 15 times. And then from there, I did the same. Just more people were added to the room. And then I had to do more self-tapes. And so my self-tapes just got sillier and sillier because I was kind of over it. Looser and looser. Looser and looser. Work. And I made them kind of small sketches. And like there was a dream sequence and I shot the dream sequence. Oh. like. Not like a fully acted. It was like me just like holding my dog. But like this was informed by maybe the stuff you. I don't remember if it was in that other podcast I listened to. You said that you started doing YouTube videos. I was making stuff. videos for a site called Hello Giggles. It was Zoe right. Deschanel had like a female driven podcast or um, site. I, I remember when you were doing those videos. Yeah, so um, that's because like you know, um, you know, someone Brendan my uh, was like, hey, you should start doing videos like you like them. Why don't you make them? And then that sort of like unpacked this whole like interest in editing and creating. So I just started doing that. And then they asked me to come back. And then I did a network test, which is like all the network. And you test there. with three. Two Les other. Moonves. Yeah, he's there. Uh, no, that's that's the guy from CBS. But the head of NBC was there. And there's two other people, and you sign your contract. It's like when you audition for SNL and you sign the seven-year contract. Do they give you a novelty check? Yeah. Actually, yeah. It's called shitting your pants. <laughs> yeah, and so then that happened, and then, um, you know, I was supposed to – I think I was supposed to be in L.A. like a couple days, and it turned into two weeks. I had I brought like two dresses. I was washing them in my hotel sink. I do kind of remember this weird period where you were posting things like – does anyone have an ironing board? Or, no, know, I wasn't at all. Very <laughs> silent about it. But, but yeah, and then and then shot it, and then it didn't go anywhere. And I have I don't have a copy of it. I've never seen it. And did it air? No, wow. it's pilot season. It's like everyone watches all these pilots. And and did you expect it to air, or were you kind of no, like, no, no, no? I don't I, know what's going to happen. No, they either pick it up or they don't, right? Um, in spite of it not going, did you have this uh, feeling like? I mean, okay, so. As I was walking to your house to do your podcast, mm -hmm. I was looking for your podcast online so I could get a sense of it. Yeah. I didn't actually realize it was Regular Girls. I thought it was a solo podcast, but it was a solo edition of Regular Girls. No, it was um, it was uh, in the infancy of me wanting to do a podcast or get into like podcasting. This I started my I'm own. Saying, like, like, but what I just did is yeah. re Regular Girls. That was what yes, I was Yes, you did that, yeah. So 
I thought I was listening to like a regular, like your new podcast. No, no, no. Bad eyesight, and I thought it said 2018, <laughs> but it said 2016. Yeah. And what I heard in this, because it was October, so I was like, oh, October 2016. Yeah. <laughs> October 2016. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, guys. Yeah. I just want to let you know I've been reading a lot of Elizabeth Gilbert. Lately. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And. Yes. So I just keep checking that we're recording. I felt. And you were talking about yourself, and I was really feeling for you as you were talking because it sounded like you were being, even though you're speaking in very positive tones, yeah, it sounded like you were being a little bit hard on yourself. Uh, yes, y- you know, which I totally understand. In LA, it's a mm-hmm. hard place because you were recording it. I think if you weren't in LA, it was like during the period where you were living there. Yeah, and I thought about how hard you were being on yourself, and I was like, oh, I don't. I, I really feel for you. That's all like, because I have been that hard on myself right. in the past and I'm still working on that. And maybe you are too. Yes. But, uh, like I thought it was definitely sweet and I liked that you were opening up like to, to, to do the podcast like that. I just, sure. when I was listening, I was literally like, Oh, Stacy, come on now. <laughs> You're doing so much. Don't, you know? Yeah. Like, but the thing about it is like every moment is transient. Yeah, but I think that that's a really hard thing. I think I was very naive. Um, I also didn't, I, I, again, I think I sort of gave up the, the drive that I had when I was like, we were talking about earlier, being like a 23 year old, being like, I'm going to get on every show. Uh-huh. I'm going to make my, I made my own shows. I was like, great. I want to get up to know all the comedians. I'm going to produce two of my own shows. Uh-huh. I'm going to fill it. I'm going to get to know everyone. I know who I am and I know what I want to say. And uh-huh. I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And, so I moved to Los Angeles because someone told me to. And then I booked this pilot and I let everyone influence. Like I can see how people go, how they lose themselves and lose themselves in like substance or um, mental health issues. It's like you're told you're the best thing until you become nothing. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, yeah. Stacey, you're going to be on Fallon. You're going to be on this. You're going to be you're going to be a star. You're so funny. You're the best. You did mention Fallon in the podcast I listened to. It seems like that's a goal. Maybe. Hi. Want to play a game? No, but, um, the, you know, they were saying that stuff and I and I was not, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't uh, I didn't have my wares about me enough to realize, like, I have to take this with all of the salt that I can hold on to to keep myself grounded. <laughs> Just a sack of salt. I needed a sack of salt tied around my ankle so I didn't fly off, right? <laughs> like, my ego was like, I literally was like, I'm fucking famous now. I'm on right. deadline. I'm in variety. I'm I'm going to do it. Yeah, and... and I'm uh, doing the thing. There's also the aspect, uh, as you know, uh, having been in L.A., where uh, because Canada has such a skewed... System, there's no star There's no star system, and no one wants a new voice. But, 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 but beyond that, just they'll go... Well, Stacy's in LA. Stacy, I no. mean, you got like a big story about, about the pilot. I booked that pilot having never been on. I had been on a television show, and I played Canadian girl. Like I didn't even have a name, right? Like yeah. I went from being like number three thousand and five on the call sheet to number one. Mm-hmm. Like I booked that pilot with no credits. Yeah. Right now, uh, like that doesn't happen. And also, like I wasn't getting in rooms here. I'm not. I mean. Yeah. You know me. Like, am I on any freaking television shows? No. You're on the Nick show. I'm on the Nick show, and I'm happy to be here. But yeah. I'm saying that, like, you know, so it's like here everyone's like, you're the star. And I go, wow, uh, great. I wasn't wow, the star. Wow, that's what I've always thought. Yeah, I always thought I was a star. I, oh, I'm great. I'm and great. I'm great. I am. 
and I was also young mm-hmm. and um, and then that went away in a second right mm-hmm. and the director goes oh I'll always we'll always be in touch or like oh we're gonna be friends mm-hmm. we're not right <laughs> and then and and the and then that concept of being invisible is like really hard to manage if you don't even know who you are or you've stopped become if you've stopped being a human being but it also sounds uh, that you could easily feel betrayed sure in, and I was in that in that moment because I was also naive right like the all the actors that I did the pilot with, like they were like, well, that's another one that bites the dust, like mm-hmm. on to the next. Because that's actually what being an actor in L.A. really is. Exactly. It's just like on to the next. getting on the merry-go-round and hoping to stay on it for a while. And For sure. You know, I mean, the working actor thing is, is happens in Canada as well, but but there it's really a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And, yeah. it, and, and I'm not, I wasn't built for that or think that way. Mm-hmm. And and it was my first big gig at like 27, right? Mm-hmm. And I had like just auditioned for SNL, then booked this pilot. Like it was a year of all years and then it all went away. So what is uh, SNL, uh, what was your experience doing SNL audition? I died. I, <laughs> I died. I It was really cool. Um, I really forced myself to take in every moment mm-hmm. of it because I love I always wanted to be on that show. So it was an in-person audition. Yes. So I went to New York mm-hmm. and um, with my friend Jason DeRoss, we both got flown out to do it. And mm-hmm. um, it was incredible. Like you see like Lauren Michaels there and every every crew member was like so supportive. Yeah. But again, because they hadn't been here in years and they never come here to check out the talent, it's uh. like we don't – like then moving to L.A. years later, it's like everyone has a tight seven. So I think about often the audition that I did – and it's laughable. Like now it would be completely different. I just was so young and naive in that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's life, right? I mean, I just like wasn't, the stars aligned and it just wasn't right. Well, and uh, I mean, beyond that. Yeah. Again, I'm not to be the person who's like, don't be so hard on yourself. But it's like, they saw some kind of energy in you that uh, yes. interested them. And I'm not saying that it was a quite poo-poo. possible they were like, well, we like Stacy, but she's not ready. This, well, you know, some writer's, you know, friend or you know, someone's kid. Oh, it's like, beyond. I just, I don't. The connections are so inlaid in 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 the entertainment industry, and I'm not saying that it it uh, is invalidates those people's talent. It's just that it is hard to get in there if you're of, not someone who's of course it is has some connections you know but i also think it's like it i also think because of those experiences i stopped finding validation which i i mean i'm not saying that i've figured it out yet but my validation which was already so outwardly became even more outwardly of like, well, what do I need to do to get the thing? Mm. Right. So then it became this manic search for like the thing. So Mm. like, you know, even in like the know-it-all podcast Mm. that I started where I would just talk with smooth jazz, like you said, Mm -hmm. uh, underneath it. Which is close to what, I mean, that's like. Nick stole my vibe. I understand the delight that, you have uh, in in expressing yourself in a solo podcast. I honestly. loved it, but it it also was like a girl, you know, just trying to find something. Well, you were like looking in the mirror, being like, "I'm still here," you know. I can trying, myself. trying yeah. to find her, trying to wipe that mirror down. Well, like it kept getting steamed up from. The goop. The goop. Well, vaginal the, the, the vaginal, vaginal steaming, steam. yeah. which you talked about goop on my podcast, yeah, which so makes that's more a sense. Little call back to Stacy's podcast. Double dip. 
Double, double dip. You got to listen to both. Like Elizabeth Gilbert's book is Big Magic, which I'm sure I was referring to. Yes. Um, is like, you know, there's so many ideas and like if you don't grab them, then like you lose them. But I think I started stealing, like not stealing, but I started like going, well, what's everyone else's idea? Like I stopped my own ideas. Well, that's, I mean, that's what happens there is you don't have the camaraderie in a smaller scene like San Francisco or Toronto, which I, I, I know yeah. it, Toronto is like a big scene, but it, it, you go to LA. But Toronto's an accessible scene. Like I think it's also a transit thing where not everyone's driving to get where they are. Toronto in some ways is a very perfect kind of comedy city. Perfect y- comedy city. Partly because you're not really doing it for anything but out of your own interest and, and whatever – uh, artistic or creative motivation. Well, that never crossed my motivation mind. Motivation to be seen and heard, rather than no one's yeah. like, I'm going to make a million dollars. Me, that's me. I don't think any actor who has stayed in Canada has made a million dollars. That was me, and still is me. What I just said earlier about yes. just doing. Yeah. No, I mean, no, no, no. I was like, you want a million dollars? No, I was like, I'm going to be a star. Yeah. And everyone buckle up. Like I literally was like, you know that movie Election with Reese Witherspoon. Yes. Yeah, that's that is still me. Like I remember calling. You're a keener. I'm a keener, and um, I also remember working in an, in an office, and I had a, an Excel spreadsheet after theater school, and I would meticulously call every agent to try and get an agent. Sure. And it took like. It, it took starting comedy to get an agent, but then I saw I came across Second City, and I was like, oh, I know that place. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad loved that. Uh, so I called them and I said, yeah, how do you get on your main stage? And they were yeah. like, um, you have to take classes. And I went, which one? And yeah. they were like, improv for actors. I go, great, I'll sign up, please. Mm-hmm. And then I remember taking that first class and asking, because it was like a really welcoming room and asking the teacher, well, like, when do we get notes? Like, when do we mm-hmm. when do we start calling out the real stinkers here? And he's right. like, well, some people do this for fun. And I was like, no, I don't understand that. You've always been very serious about it. Very serious. And like, you remain, does that remain? Remains, remains. But I mean, when I was in LA, that focus or that confidence of like, you know, there, you know, I have talent or I have something to, to show um, was lost because I, it, because I think I just felt so invisible. And not that I'm like a big fish in a small pond here. No, it's, a, it, it, it's different. It's different, and I really think I fought for a really long time in Los Angeles. Like, it was an ego thing that I didn't want to be there because I, it would be easier here, but it's not. <laughs> it, it's not easier here, but... Um, I mean, maybe a bit. I don't think so because I think the people that make television here like maybe five people, and those five people are on every show. Oh, yeah, entertainment is hard to... Is not I mean career here. like I mean life here I love living here is easy. I couldn't be happier I yeah. I remember high-fiving the border guard being like happy to be back sir <laughs> and he didn't arrest you he was anything. like ma'am thank you so much and I was like yeah he's a sorry did my hand hit you no did I hit you? but yeah. I I felt <laughs> Canadian voice. Oh God. it's the Mountie voice from the movie the untouchables oh my god the casting directors are gonna be running here <laughs> but you know what I mean like I had panic attacks I was freaking out I was depressed I uh, you know, I was like, oh, I'll work out every day, or or I'm gonna do this cleanse, or or I'm gonna I'm gonna, wh- what's popular on YouTube? I'll do that. Like, I lost. Did you have a, a circle of friends? I did. I found a really great group of friends, and then when I moved back, it's like I'm sure they're like, where'd she go? Um, well, yeah, that's what's so funny about when you go back. I've found that suddenly nobody thinks you're anywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? People are like, 
oh, so like you're visiting? And you're like, I, I don't know. And then like, and then people in LA are like, you left? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. They were incredible. And, 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 and they were there for the long haul and I was just not patient. It couldn't be. Yeah. And patience is necessary but because you're sort of the patience that you had when you were starting out yes. and the motivation. Yes. You need to kind of have that second childhood when you change cities. Exactly. And I didn't have that and I you was not patient. Same patience. Yeah. And I think as a woman as well, I think it's placed on you how old you are and yeah. what you're going to look like. And like, I remember doing an audition and they said you had to dress up and look nice. And when I, uh, got into the audition. I think I was playing like a goofy best friend, like mm -hmm. never anyone that would be attractive to anybody. And I thought I looked nice and they were, they cackled laughing that I would dress in character. And I was like, no, this is what I would wear out. What are you talking about? I, I can't even believe that. Cause I would go to like commercial auditions and people would be fully dressed up, you know, as no, firefighters I, or, or I thought doctors. I, I thought I looked nice and they thought I was dressed like oh. Mimi from the Drew Carey show oh, is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, that was a nice reference. I think. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, that was a good reference. But Mimi I, is, <laughs> just for anyone wondering, Mimi was played by, do you remember the name of that woman? Mimi. I don't uh, know. She was a very influential character. Loved her. But it, I remember like driving home and being like, I'm just like not made like I am not made for the city. Not to say that people who love it, it's weird. Like I think it's great. It For me, like I lost my, my feet when I got back to Toronto, I was like, they're still here. Yeah, um, she has her feet. They're cold. I'm sure Nick would agree. Yeah. But, um, uh, but I think moving back to Toronto, I could breathe again and be inspired again, which sounds really flighty and flaky, but, um, like I was at bottom of the barrel. No, I mean no I money, I was, no money, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. No Very similar uh, situation um, in many ways, and uh, I, I it was just like I had been working towards getting uh, legal to be in in America for, for yeah. some time, so it just felt like I had to do it. And then when I did yeah. it, there was just a lot of things uh, in the way. So uh, I my visa expired, so I had to come back. And, and then when I did, I was kind of like, I, the thing I keep thinking of is you're underwater mm -hmm. after diving, but you, and then you sort of come up with your hands above you reaching towards the sky and you go, <gasps> you know, like in, in that movie, the descendant, yeah. when they're, when George Clooney tells his daughter that the mother has died and she jumps in the water. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Out. The people who I've talked to who have spent good time in L another good I reference. Beat your Mimi reference. You did uh, yeah, by a, a long a shot. Yeah. But you'd win. Yeah, but I think I a lot win. of people who have been to LA, like it was the only time I've experienced panic, panic attacks, like being in a car, unable to, to leave it. Um, it, you know, it, it's not until now really processing it where I was like, oh, I was fully depressed. Like I, yeah. I would go days without showering, wouldn't even know, would be wearing sweatpants every day. I'd go to parties, people were having a good time and I'd be like, I would rather walk slowly into the ocean and never come back. Yeah. What would you, you know, and think the, the conversations, I mean, it's, it, you know, also and again, just so, oh, just to, sorry to cut you off, but like, to, I'm not implying that they were bad situations. I no. just knew 
in my body and in my soul, I was not meant to be there. It's a, it's, it's a structure. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a structured environment. And also I think it's an environment that we feel locked into when you're there, but in fact, there's multitudes in a city of that size mm-hmm. and you can get out of it and you can make of it what you want it to be. But it's really easy to get just tripped up by the damn change. I know I keep saying that, but that's I, I realized only recently how um, major, majorly affected by change I am, and in a in a in a way where it, it is difficult for me. Oh, and, me too. And I, and but I've put myself throughout my life in situations where there is massive change constantly. And so I've, I've put myself through a lot of stress without admitting why or knowing why I was being stressed. I mean, we're in an industry, like I like security and the same routine. Like I have oatmeal. Do you like puffins? What are those? Like the birds? I hate birds. Okay. Yeah. I don't have time for them. It's okay. Just checking. (laughs) (laughs) Friends with birds. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) I don't like this. Yeah. Owning birds. It's that's like, what are you doing? Else. You want to just watch this thing that should be outside? Like, I hope you're a true magician, you know, like a warlock yes. or witch if you have a bird. Why the hell do you want to literally cage a bird? It makes no sense to me. You know, I had a second cousin or an aunt or something, great aunt. I'm uh, loving the story. She uh, she just had loose birds in her room. See, and that's about <laughs> your cousin or whoever the hell it was. <laughs> She's a pretty interesting person. Do you have any other questions for me, Nick? Because I, you, we're scribbling during my well, podcast. The only thing that I wrote was. I this. wish people could see this like manic like, I forgot. scribble. We were talking about doing stand up. Yeah. And uh, how getting attitude was it? And, and I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. But I guess my point was that there's really so little difference to a lot of people outside of entertainment in improv sketch or even stand up. That's why What like, do you mean? Like there's no That's why your relative will go, Oh, so like tell me about one of your skits to yeah. like a stand up because they're like to them it's like comedy is skits. But I think that <laughs> it's funny because there are so many people that come to Second City and I see it in their face and they think it's supposed to be a stand up show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or they think Colin Mockery's gonna come out at so some it's point. Like your one idea of what comedy is is just the first thing you saw that was comedy. <laughs> but you know what really is infuriating to me, and I and I, I was talking about this with I can't remember who it was on my podcast, but um saying that my favorite stand-ups are the ones that recognize the multitude, like the the varying levels of comedy. Like the stand-ups I have no time for are the ones who think that what I do is like for a birthday clown. Well, I mean, that's just some mentality that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And and it it really, for me, like I remember... provincial. That's what we call it over here. But... Like, I remember this, like... Downtown intellectual boy land. Ooh. Um, well, when I cared about what was on Facebook, I remember on... Um, there was, like, this forum. I think it might have been a year or so ago that just said... Um, that basically said stand-up was the only form of comedy, which made me laugh, like, so fucking hard. At this mean? dumb idiot. Mm-hmm. Having that thought and thinking anyone else needed to hear it. But it, it's like, get over yourself. I mean, I think... And I don't want to knock stand-up. I, I'm, I'm not because it's really hard, but it's no, like I'll knock it. I mean, I was saying I'm not. I don't want to knock it, but uh, dot 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 was like we could knock it. I mean, because no, but I don't even want to knock it. Like, cause it's hard. Oh, it's certainly hard. 
but if you're a capable stand-up, and I don't know how much I it, you, you know I don't know if I'm the person to define a capable stand-up at all, you know. But um, mostly you're using things like improvisation, of course. Things like pacing, yes. Things like all this stuff that musicality, are the same, yeah, the, even theatrical elements. A thousand percent. You know, so not like, so not respecting that other forms also do that. I mean, I I agree that the best stand up can be a synthesis of, you know, elements of sketch even or imp improv. Sure, but look at amazing improvisers like Kayla Lorette or Becky Johnson, who you watch them improvise, and you're like, this is a piece of theater, or For this sure. is way better than any stand up I've ever seen. Well, when my friend. Graham, you know... I, mean, uh, I love that we're agreeing, but it sounds like we're arguing. Uh, well, because we're being emphatic. <laughs> uh, but my friend Graham, uh, you know, when I was first starting out and I found my people, it was, you know, a lot of people wanted to be part of the Lap Sabbath show. and Love. Uh, my favorite crew in the entire city. Wished I could have broken in. <sighs> you guys didn't want me. Well, don't. I'm kidding. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, so had to send in a I tape. I did this show called <laughs> to audition for Lauren for some reason to get in this Laugh Sabbath. Yeah, no, to, to get to get a spot. Um, but no, I before Laugh Sabbath, before any of that, uh, the Tim Sims nominees. It was a I was up one and of them. Coming, uh, yeah, up and coming comedians award you could get in Canada, and. For the show I did at the Drake Hotel, I tried to get all of the people from that because, eh, you know what yeah. I mean? You got to get the butts in the seats. Yeah. And Iron Cobra was this uh, oh yes improv duo that was Becky Johnson, who you just mentioned, and Graham Wagner. The who best. Who is a writer now. It, that um, duo was incredible. And when I saw, not that Becky was awesome, but Graham did something that to me was very close to stand-up. It was hilarious, and it was off top of his head. And I was just like, how is this guy doing this? And I mean, it was just superior to most stand-up, you know. Yeah. And, and, and that was—that's a very rare talent, you know. And that's also because he's someone who had been doing it since doing improv since he was thirteen or something. And at the base is also wildly successful and writes on well, all of everyone's favorite now shows. He is. <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm just saying, what creates that is right. You know, and I'm sure he hates LA too. He probably hates hearing what I'm saying now. I think know? if I was making money in LA, I'd be like, "Ooh, girl." I love it here. Look, I got to do my show and tell. I have all this stuff I want to talk to you about, but we're going to have to wait on it But because because we are, it's getting colder. Are you actually getting colder? No. He is too. That's real. So I brought some stuff for uh, Stacy to look at. Great. I just, just want to know what you know your reaction is to this. I, I Normally I do this in my house, but, but I just had to scramble okay. and bring something. Well, so. I think it's really hilarious that we were talking about toxic masculinity and you bring me a... Um, a G.I. Joe VHS. G.I. Joe VHS. Here's, yes. what, here's what I love about this. This is what it says to me. This is in pristine condition. Yeah. Okay, so this, to me, tells me that you um, you keep your nice things nice. No. Okay. Did you just <laughs> buy this? No. I'm trying to sell it. But I think, I think I kept my pristine things pristine at that time. Yeah. In that I was like... I was probably 21, and I was like, you know, it would be pretty cool to have you a bought collection this at of 20. all the G.I. Yeah, because I worked at Sam the Record Man. Okay, there we and, go. Because, like, this is pristine. stuff uh, on some kind of a discount. Well, I think it's really nice that it's a Scotland-based storyline. It's like you knew you were going to come talk to a redhead. <laughs> um, uh, here, it says, uh, 
Destro finally reveals that his mask is part of an ancient family curse that cannot be lifted until law and order have been destroyed. Oh, yeah, Destro's Scottish. Lady <laughs> J receives a letter deeming her sole heir to Doyle Manor in Scotland. A coincidence? I think not. Um, uh, you are a, a man of references, and I'm not surprised that you still have this. I'm trying to sell all my G.I. Joe's. No one right wants now. this. You'd be surprised, but okay. so far, no one. This is why you're on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never, I should sell it on Reddit. Okay, so that's a G.I. Joe. Okay. Um, this is some gum. I mean, this isn't something That's I brought, actually so nice, and what a romantic gesture. <laughs> I actually think this is so nice when men have gum. Oh, you gotta have gum. Oh, here we go. Now, here's the yeah, this is, toxic I also tried to secretly steal that gum, and Nick instantly grabbed it. Oh, do you want one? No, 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 I don't, actually. Um, it's, I mean, this is just like when, like, I, well, in my podcast, to not double dip again, but I remember calling you, like, punk rock, like, hey, like... <laughs> Art will never die. I'm the center of the art. And you just handed me a tape of Frank Sinatra's 20 Golden Greats. Yeah, well, it's good. Frank Sinatra's... Uh, Love Frank Sinatra, but the fact that you, in your black room glasses, uh, and your Richard Pryor comedy t-shirt are handing yeah. me an audio cassette... Uh, well, I, I found Sinatra. this in my parents' collection That's uh, of nice. tapes that I was going through the other day. It's mostly love Frank jazz Sinatra. and classical, but they had this Frank Sinatra thing. I love this, but what's... Why do you love Frank Sinatra? What do you love about Frank Sinatra? Well, I think there's, like, for me, like... I'm obsessed with like the glitz and glamour of of old Hollywood. They didn't like women are like they were womanly. They were like feminine. There's something about that that I love. Like Hollywood. Yeah, what? That's pronounced. Bodices. Bodice. Spanks, undergarments, corseting, girdles, um, hair curlers, like parasols. Yes, and I and I love that. I mean, uh-huh. as a person, I I think I sounds kind of like a trucker sometimes but I, there's there's something about this like idea of femininity i i love i can see you have that old-timey thank lady you vibe. i love an old-timey lady vibe i think it's like maureen o'hara maureen o'hara Catherine o'hara no the there comedian? was an actress named maureen o'hara oh i thought that, that was a reference you she didn't was a know starlet in okay the i'll have to look her up 60s but she was also uh, John Candy's mother in um, that movie Only the Lonely. Oh, I, I have not. Yeah, it's a cute John Candy. Movie. Oh, cool. I got to check it out. Yeah. yeah, there's something really beautiful. Like, I remember, like, seeing my grandmother getting ready and, like, stockings and spanks and, like, uh-huh. putting. Like, there's just something about it that I love. And that is, like, such a romantic and beautiful music. And there's a reason we still listen to it is because it's guy. classic. Yeah, terrible. Uh, terrible. Horrible man. Do you want to sing a little bit of a song if I give you the name? No. Well, I will tell you that uh, I I don't know most of these songs, so I know. Well, I'm not singing them to you. Black Magic. I know that song. Yeah. How's that go? Google it. I'm not gonna. I'm not performing for you. Love and marriage. That. What a white man asking me to do all the work. Love and marriage. Love and marriage. What's the next thing? Fools rush in. Beautiful song. Yeah, I, I know that song. That'll make you cry. The Lady is a Tramp is after that. Love. Do you know how that one goes? No, but it's a scampy little number. <laughs> That's why the lady, lady is a tramp. tramp. Yep. You know what else was fun? Uh, Peggy Lee singing uh, He's a Tramp, but but I love him in uh, love, Lady and the Tramp. Love Peggy Lee. Yeah. Swinging Down the Lane. How's that go? I don't know. Listen, oh. I'm not like the discographer of this. Well, I, I don't know this stuff either. Well, and put it's it in your parents. 20 Golden Greats. The saddest we thing should ab- know every one. The saddest thing about that tape and the saddest thing about that VHS is it's almost impossible to play. My most favorite movie of all time, Dirty Dancing, I still have the VHS. And I can't ever play it. And it's the saddest thing to me. 
You make me feel so young. That's a beautiful song that too. One goes, you make me feel so mm -hmm. young. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Uh, nice and easy. You know that? No. Don't go through this tape with me, Nick. Come Let's fly <laughs> with me. You know, come fly with do me. Do your guests get annoyed? I hope. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's fall in love. Classic That's a song. cute one. Yeah. I've got you under my skin. That's his That's jam. me. That's you and I right now. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> How does that one go? Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> I've never heard it. Like we're just being improv people when we say that. Don't do this to me because I'm an improviser. What's the next thing? Three Making me try to improvise for you is three sick. Three coins in the fountain. You sick man. I put three coins in the fountain. Guys, Nick's <laughs> making direct eye contact with me right now, and I'm not having it. What about this? It's nice to go traveling. It's nice. You're to singing go this same song and just you. saying. <laughs> Don't you have a date to get to? Get to uh, the next young item. Young at heart. That's you. Good song. In the wee small hours of the morning. That sounds Scottish to me. It does sound Scottish, and I don't mind the word wee. Love is the tender trap. It is. Do you remember there was a restaurant on Parliament Street called The Tender Trap, and it was a Chinese restaurant? No. I it was such a funny name. I have a bit more. Okay. Let me see. And honestly, I really wanted to talk about ADHD with you, but uh, I don't think we'll have time. I think we got to call it. We're calling it. Thank I love having you. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope people enjoyed listening to me and you chat. Sounds like we're both equally anxious and insecure about entertaining people. Quite honestly, I feel um, a lot more confident. Than me. Yeah. <laughs> Since coming back from L.A., I was like, I won't waste my time in insecurity. Hey. Why Let's be see insecure? If she, why be insecure? We're all the same. Hmm. Insecure. Yeah. So if everyone's insecure... Nobody's insecure. Exactly. Level playing field. Listen, it's zero, zero. But you know, the most important thing for security yeah. is in your password or your... I website. thought you were going to say a blanket and complain about how cold it and is it in is my apartment. Blanket. Yeah, it is really cold in here. But uh, Nick, thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here, Stacey. Bye. Bye. <laughs>